Welcome to the Sermon B-Side Podcast, a podcast of Liberty Church in the Harrisburg region of Central Pennsylvania. Sermon B-Side is designed to be a resource to answer your questions and to go deeper into the conversation started by each week's sermon. And welcome to another episode of the Liberty B-Side Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Wright. And alongside me again this week is the one and only Matt LeLoyan. Good to Matt, be back. Matt, welcome back. Thank you. Good to, good to be back. You and Anthony did a great job. Team Wright last week did you know, a great job on uh, on the B-Side. And But yeah, glad to glad to be back this yeah, morning. The, the right one-hit wonder there <laughs> over here. Uh, you know, retraction from last week. Oh, okay, retraction. Uh, Anthony, Anthony did make a reference to the Twilight book series. The Twilight series, uh, And yeah. I made a comment that no one under over 40, sorry, over 40 would mm. know the reference. But I can confirm that someone over 40 did reach out. And and, conf- they and know let that, yeah. me know that they do indeed know the reference and yeah. thought it was funny. So was, is this your apology for the is, ageism? Is this what that is? It's that? my um, <laughs> issuing of my apology. I normally go the uh-huh. inclusive route, but you know what? I made a mistake. Uh, <laughs> kept it a little uh-huh. too open-handed here, Matt, you know, and uh, exercising some humility today. That's You know, that's good. Uh, it's always good. But, and, uh, and as an almost... 40 year old. I'm almost <laughs> in that, in that next range up. Uh, it was, um, I, I did get the reference too. Uh, I'm maybe on the higher end of what we, what we thought might be the acceptable range of yeah, ages there. That's yeah. fair. You're uh-huh. still in that millennial category. So yes. Barely. I, it, yeah. Barely. But you're in there. That's right. Uh, but yeah, all that said, uh, retractions aside, yeah. we had a busy, busy Sunday yesterday. We welcomed in 14 in covenant members we yesterday. Did. We had a baptism, yeah. yep. uh, fun Liberty 101 yesterday after, yeah. after the service. Any other things you want to highlight from yesterday, Matt? No, it was a full, it was a full day for sure. A really good day. Uh, I'm just grateful to God for a lot of what we got to celebrate yesterday. Even then last night, about once a month, our elders and wives get together, and just that was a really good life-giving time and conversation last night. So, yeah, good full day, thankful day. But you know, we're both coming in this morning, uh, feeling feeling a little tired. little dragging a little bit today. But we're but we are ready to to answer some questions, and we got many of them. That's right. We we got quite a few questions once again. Yeah, it's great. Uh, and even you know, you continued on our series yesterday, looking at the life of Moses, really zooming in in Exodus, and we did a little bit of a time jump. Yeah, we uh, did from yeah uh, Anthony talking about the giving of the Ten Commandments at the last week, and mm-hmm. then ne- this week we're in Exodus thirty three and thirty four. Yep. Uh, so why don't you maybe big picture give us your like ninety second uh, what you covered yesterday? maybe the outline of the sermon uh, summary for us, Matt. Yeah, we, we skipped over a lot of content in Exodus. The time that lapsed is probably not a whole lot of time other than, you know, Moses being up on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, <laughs> receiving the Ten Commandments, uh, receiving a ton of law from God, a ton of instructions even about the tabernacle. The yep. main thing we skipped, which we recognize, like, it's not ideal to skip this. It would have been really good to have more weeks, especially to at least spend one of them on the golden calf. Yeah. We skipped over that. Um, knowing that I was going to be able to reference a lot of it in yesterday's sermon because the Exodus 33 and the beginning of 34, where we were yesterday, is now what? After the golden calf. So there was a lot of, I was trying to kind of cheat a little bit and get yeah. 32 pulled into 33 and 34 without without uh, without 
having another week and to do it. This is a joke, but I'm even thinking right now. This coming to a fitness class near you, 40 days and 40 nights of yes. stair climbing at, at oh, uh, nice. Moses yeah. exercise class. Well I mean, done. That's a, there's an idea to a, run with. A Christian sub market there. Uh, there was for like the that. Daniel plan for dieting. So like there could be the Moses step class. <laughs> the, the, there mo- could be, the Moses that, mountain climbing. The Moses mountain climbing training program. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. it. We um, yeah. So in Exodus 33, it's it's really how God is now going to respond to the the grievous sin and right. rebellion of Israel at, yeah. with the golden calf. And so um, really, the so now what the is now kind of what? what you said yesterday. And yeah. there are different ways to look at it, but the word that really kind of jumped out to me was this idea of dependence. That God is really merciful, mm-hmm. and and it just becomes a moment for Israel to renew. It's dependence on God. Right. And, and at least these three, these three ways that we see dependence in that text we were in yesterday was on the presence of God, mm-hmm. uh, on God's revelation, and then on God's restoration. Uh, so it didn't alliterate, but, you know, close. And um, <laughs> we were, uh, yes, yeah, so we talked about those three things. Really, you know, Moses pleading with God's presence to continue to go with them because God initially said, I will not go with you anymore. Yeah. You'll still go to the land, but I'm not going with you. Right. And Moses saying, no, that's that's not okay. God, you have to go not only with me individually, but with all of yeah. Israel. Yeah. God's revelation, this, you know, God's revealed already a lot. And you think he, mm. even on the mountain to Moses, revealed a ton of his nature and character in his law. Mm. Uh, but uh, Moses is still hungry to to get as much revelation of God as God's willing to give. And so he asks him to show Show Moses not only his ways in this mm-hmm. text, but then also the audacious request of verse 18, show me your glory. Yeah. And, and God responds to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then dependence on God's restoration, that's really just kind of taking this high level view of where we're at in Exodus and realizing, okay, after the golden calf, after the Israel had already seen so much from God, then that then responds to that with this unfaithfulness. Yeah. God is still the God of restoration. He still is going to go with them, still reveal himself to them. Yeah. The, the tabernacle idea that he'd revealed instructions for that got disrupted by the golden calf. Yeah. It's back it's on. It's back on. The covenant is renewed again, even though it hasn't yeah. been that much time since it was first established. It's yeah, like it's yeah. renewed again. So just it, just not to miss this beautiful reality in Exodus that God is the God of restoration mm-hmm. um, and restores us even from our grievous sin, rebellion, idolatry. Right. Um, it would be really sad to only focus on the golden calf Right. And, and be kind of left in the, in the, the, uh, bottom of the, 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 the J curve, you know, in huh. the, in the, 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 um, the sorrow and the guilt and the condemnation of sin and mm. not actually get to experience, uh, the, res- the restoration that God, that God gives through his grace and mercy. So yeah. that's where we were yesterday in that. Yeah. And, and that's a, a really encouraging, uh, thing to even think about as we contemplate going into Bible studies this week, as we, we even yeah. think about like looking here at a tent and then a tabernacle. And then you mentioned Jesus coming to tabernacle among us. We, yeah. we have the, the celebration of Advent and right. the incarnation coming up and, and what right. that means for us in the fact that we, in a sense, become little tents ourselves, yeah, houses right. for uh, the Spirit of God to dwell through Christ. Yeah. So really encouraging things to be thinking about and swirling around in our brains as we go, go into this busy season, this time of year uh, of Advent that tend to be stressful and crazy and have all the family stuff. But yeah. yep. uh, man, like there's some really cool significance even in this, these texts that we are pretty, I think if you've grown up in church, you're probably pretty familiar with yeah, some of these, absolutely. these passages. Absolutely. So why don't we get into some listener questions? Because we have quite a few. We did, yeah. Uh, and with that, so uh, our first questioner is 
basically asking about this interplay that we talked about between Moses and God hmm. uh, that you just described in your summary. Uh, but how are we disp- how do we think about Moses convincing God to send his presence with his people? It seems that God changes his mind after Moses pleads with him, but we know from other parts of Scripture that God is unchanging. So Hmm. this must not be the case. Is God challenging the people of Israel to consider just how much they want his presence, or or what's going on here, Matt? Yeah, I'm so glad that that this question was asked, this person asked this question. It's, it's, It's something that shows up with Moses and his relationship with God on a handful of occasions and in scripture and other places too, this idea that like, do our prayers change God's mind? Right. Um, What is actually the power of our Mm. prayer? And, and really even as you know, the question ended, what's going on here? Um, (laughs) That's a great summary answer too. Like uh, the the mystery of how this works is, is one that defies, I think, full comprehension for me at least. Um, For sure. And, and you have, in this sense, and it's even it's even clear actually in the golden calf account where where God is planning to to destroy the people and just start over with Moses, mm-hmm. and and it says in Exodus thirty two verse fourteen um, the, uh, that Moses you know prays and intercedes for the people, and it says and the Lord relented from the disaster that He had spoken of bringing on the people. Right, and the word relented is like yeah that that means God changed His mind like He was going to do this. Mm-hmm. Moses prayed, God no longer did that. Yeah. And so I think I think the maybe to kind of create the the guardrails right is if if somehow we're we're removing the sovereignty from God and we're saying that like people have more power than God I think we've fallen into a ditch on that side of the road yeah, I think we have sure. to hold up the reality that God is sovereign um, that God is the one who is in ultimate control that God is the one that has power over people and not the other way around yeah so I think that's an important guardrail to establish hmm. on the other side I think to to for prayer to just be an empty ritual that doesn't actually have any power in it whatsoever for sure would be the other danger to to miss here and so the 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 mystery here is um from a human standpoint i think we look at this text and we go there was a human intercessor pleading with god to do something different than god had communicated he was going to do yeah and it was through that intercession that god then said okay mm-hmm. we'll do that i will do that i will answer that prayer differently than I was saying I was going to yeah. what I was going to do before. And so I think if we if we deny that we're we're actually undermining the, the the testimony of scripture to say like at least from this human standpoint it was the intercession of Moses that that landed that yeah. in a different place than it originally was right. going to be. Uh, over top of that kind of superseding that in the sovereignty of God and if God truly is sovereign over that yeah. then I think you you can think about it from the standpoint of like well you know, God knew what what was going to play out in this and was was orchestrating this playing out that way. Mm-hmm. And in his sovereignty would communicate something that would prompt Moses to intercede that he would then respond to. And it would so right. there's a way that his sovereignty can still be over and behind all of that. Yeah. Um, without it being like people have more power than God and can actually change the complete course of history. Right. Um, independent of what God was already doing sovereignly. Right. Yeah. And there's, there's an interesting over under, like, like in the text we see like in verse 11, before mm-hmm. we get into verses 14, 17, that you kind of highlighted yesterday Yeah, where it, the text highlights that like Moses is like, th- it's like God is his friend, yeah, this intimate face to face with, as a fr- as you would a friend, yeah. Uh, there's like this interplay that's happening there. That, that there's this proximity to God. That yeah. There is a sense in which like it does feel like Moses is saying, "God, like man, 
forbear with your people yeah. and uphold your covenant end of the bargain. Yep. Uh, and, and leaving space for repentance in that sovereignty of God too. Yeah. Like if this people would repent, yep. turn back, renew their covenant faithfulness, uh, keep these commandments yeah. that uh, you have given us. And then, you know, as the tabernacle in the next chapter that we didn't get to That's yet right. is instituted and right. we start the sacrificial system and just like some, some things like that that are instituted in this process that makes it possible for the presence of God yep. to stay with the people of God. Yep. Uh, there's a lot of things playing into this. That's yeah. like you're seeing a lot of precursors here yeah. for what is to come. Yep. But I also think we're seeing the evidence that like that mediation is is it yeah. needs to be carried on. Oh, for sure. And it will be yeah. completed and carried on through Christ and is right. continued through the the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in us, groaning on our behalf mm-hmm. up to the Father. Uh, Jesus is pleading on our behalf, yeah. as we talked about in our first John series, yeah. uh, when we sin. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot going on. In this like interplay of that like deep relational sense of just longing to be with God and God to be with his people Mm -hmm. that I think is part of this whole discussion as well. Uh, Laced with his sovereignty and human responsibility and all these things we've danced around in this series as well. Absolutely. And if there's anything, you know, from an application standpoint to draw from that, like we, you know, Mm -hmm. you know, we, we are called friends of God through, through Christ, you know, uh, but Moses had a unique relationship with God, mm-hmm. but it, but it, it, maybe it's to say, especially for those of us in theologically reformed Christian circles that really do emphasize rightly the sovereignty of God mm-hmm. is to, to not, um, to not undermine your prayers, to not couch your prayers, um, only ever in the, like, of course, the right humble posture to have would be like what Jesus says in the garden, not my will, but yours be done. Right. Yeah. That's the right posture to have in prayer, the humility of that, but to not kind of like couch our prayers behind this, this like, you know, and and kind of buffer them behind this wall of like, okay, but like, this isn't really going to do anything, but to really engage with God the way we're invited to engage with God, having the the, the Holy spirit indwelling us and having the presence of God with us to just cry out to God for what you are wanting him to do. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and of course he's sovereign. Of course he's going to do his will and not, right. he's not going to, you don't have power over God to manipulate him, right. but to cry out to him and actually believe that your prayer actually does have power as it is working, like right. James says, and that, and that there, it does matter that mm-hmm. we pray to God and cry out to God for the things that we want him to do. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great way to kind of take this in terms of an application. Yeah. And, and as you do that, it's kind of your last point where we have mm-hmm. an opportunity to really feast in that restoration of it, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's like, uh, we can really truly marvel at how merciful God really is. Yeah. That that as we we pray as his people and dwell by the Holy Spirit, interceding on behalf of other friends, loved yeah. ones, whatever, other fellow Christians, yeah. um, pleading alongside of the work of God that is happening. Mm-hmm. We get to partner with him to do that. We can marvel at the fact that there is repentance and restoration baked into his sovereign Absolutely. plan of redemption. Absolutely. Um, which is really cool when it happens for us but like man like even cool even more cool and beautiful to celebrate together as we see those little glimpses of restoration happening in our community yeah Uh, especially places like bible studies where we're getting a lot of shoulder rubs that's right the the day in day out yeah that's right places um continuing on this idea though yeah you know 
God didn't like change his mind here or whatever. You know, he's yeah. still sovereign over all these things. But let's talk a little bit more specifically about the presence of Christ. So yeah. the remaining questions that we have from listeners are, are, are in that direction. Sure. Um, so you quoted uh, Brother Lawrence yesterday yeah. uh, by talking about practicing the presence of Christ. Yeah. Uh, so we have a listener that's saying that sounds good, but mm-hmm. like, what does that even mean, Matt? Um, so maybe uh, let us know a little bit. Like, what's the context of of Brother Lawrence? Like, when he's even bringing up the idea of practicing the presence of Christ? Yeah, it would be so having the spirit of God indwelling us by faith in Jesus, right? He sends the spirit into our hearts that cries, Abba, Father. There's a, there's a positional reality that is always there. Yep. Like you are in Christ. You have the spirit positionally. You don't live a moment of your life apart from the presence of God. So Mm -hmm. I'm when, when brother Lawrence is saying, or when I'm kind of quoting brother Lawrence and saying to practice the presence of God, we're, we're talking more about the experiential. Yep realm of that, not the positional realm of that. And the yes. experiential being, are you actually attending to God? Are you aware of the fact in, in all of the moments of your life hmm. that God is with you, that, that right. you are a steward even of the presence right. of God by the spirit dwelling you. Yeah. And that when you go into your workplace and when you go into your neighborhood, mm-hmm. the spirit of God indwelling you, you are you are the tent with legs. Like right. you are the tabernacle. That's the, the temple with legs is yeah. you know, going into this place. And this, mm. this, the presence of God is, is, is there through his people's right. presence. And so, you know, what, what does that mean? It, it means to, to, it really ultimately means to have an awareness, an, an mm-hmm. ongoing awareness that you are stewarding the presence of yeah. God and that God is with you. Uh, it's experiencing the positional reality more and more in your life. Yeah. And I think even like a sensitivity to ask God to show us where he is working in those places as well so that we can actually be in step with how his spirit is already working to draw people to himself. What are are those spaces that we're just overlooking people uh, in our general spheres of life that he is at work? And we can come in as his hands, the hands and feet of Jesus and, and actually yeah. help facilitate some of that from the like relational human sense of that reality yeah. as well, I think is really helpful too. Yeah. And so there's um, like practically maybe the question is like, how do you do that? Yeah, um, for sure. I think that it, it really does take a um, a, a kind of, of peace and presence of mind. Right that the busyness of our lives often is the, the complete enemy of hmm. because the, the, the go and I'm guilty of the, I'm of, of sinners. <laughs> I am the foremost, right. I'm just yeah. kind of like, okay, on to the next thing, on to the next thing, on to just, just kind of functioning through my day of like calendar items, clock management tasks, you know? Right. Um, and, and neglecting the fact that to slow down and even to, to even be able to pray continually throughout the day, God, where are you in this? Mm-hmm. Where are you leading me by your spirit in this? Who is this other person or who are these people that I'm with? And what's, what are you, what are you doing at work in them, through yeah. them? Um, there's been some, you know, for me, it was really impactful earlier this year is reading through the old Testament to read about the, the priests. And as they would like dress themselves in mm-hmm. the priestly garb, how there was like such meaning and significance to the things that they wore as they were going to be, um, you know, mediating for the people, connecting the people to God and right. God to the people. And yeah. so maybe even as an extension of that, as the priesthood of believers, it's like, okay, well, we're, we're getting dressed in the morning and we're thinking about what I'm dressing this way to go meet with these people today. I'm going to be in these places today. Mm-hmm. Um, how can I be 
a faithful presence of, you know, a, a steward of the presence of God as yeah. I'm sitting with these people in that setting today. Right. Um, I can remember like a John Piper article from years ago about like drinking your orange juice to the glory of God. Um, and Brother Lawrence has a yeah. has one about like flipping an flipping omelet. Flipping an omelet, yeah. <laughs> to the glory of God. And it's just like that every moment is right. is injected with so much meaning when you recognize that you are a steward of the presence of God. Right. And we just blow past that so quickly. So the, the practicing the presence of God is to like slow down enough to recognize that, that God is present with you in what, in what you're doing. Yeah. Um, and to see the meaning of that and then to, um, you know, to, to pray continually, to thank God for his presence with you. Yeah. It can be all of those things. Yeah. And, and part of that is, is really just stopping and, and feasting too in the fact that like we're not kept out of that tent. That's right. right. That's right. Um, we, you mentioned that briefly. I mentioned that at the beginning, but like we've got the tent on the outskirts and only Moses and Joshua and the, yeah. the text we covered yesterday yeah. are able to be in there in the presence of God. And yeah. even Moses himself can't even really see God fully, yeah. right? We see in 34, he's like looking at God's back. He sees the back, yeah. Uh, yep. <laughs> and even that is too much. No one can look at the face of God and yeah. live, right? Like, yeah. And that's, man... It's not a small gift that we get to go and enter into the presence of God. And not yeah. only that, that it can live in us. Yeah. Like, that is bizarre. Oh, for sure. And if we can't it's, slow yeah. down enough to truly feast in that, mm-hmm. um, I think it's really hard to think about what it looks like then to practically carry that presence elsewhere. Yeah. Right? When we're missing the significance of like, man, like, Yep. We shouldn't be in here, but what Christ has done is brought us into the tent and made us tents ourselves that can be used in this process. And yep. that there were, were vessels for this message is just insane. It's amazing. Uh, yeah. And incredible. And man, like, yeah. Feast on that. Yep. You know, like, yep. Uh, and I think that that was a really good point that you made yesterday was like in that kind of like idea, like, man, are we like emulating Moses here and hungering for as much of God as yep. we can get? Like yep. He's had all these crazy touches. He's been going up and down this mountain yeah. left and right. Yep. He's going into this tent in yep. and out. Um, but yet he still wants more of God. Yep. And he wants the people of God to know more of God. That's and right. that's a... Uh, I think that's even just a really good thing to go into your Bible studies this week and mm. ask ourselves, like, are we longing for more of the that's presence good. of God? That's really good. Like, when was the last time that you longed for that? Yeah. And if it's hard to answer that question, yeah, man, like, that's a really good place to start in, like, thinking about accountability for one another in, in your groups uh, yeah. this week. <laughs> Completely agree. Yeah. And it and if it's helpful, just as we, I know we got some other questions to move right. on to, but maybe two resources that have been really helpful for me mm. um, to do this. How do you attend? How do you practice the presence of God, attend to the presence of God with right. you? Um, one would be a book of liturgies called Every Moment Holy. I think Douglas McKelvey, as he wrote that, did a phenomenal job of just pinpointing and mm. putting words to where God is in, in seemingly mundane moments of life. Right. Um, there's several versions. I think that he's about to release the third one now. Well, it's like different, okay. different volumes of it. But the first one in particular has all kinds of like everything from like making your morning coffee to like you hear, you hear ambulance sirens to like there's all yeah. kinds of these yeah. liturgies of the moment. Mm-hmm. And I think he does a phenomenal job helping us see where God is in these, in like the stuff that we just kind of blow through, yeah, you know, sure. on a normal day. The other one is the examine, mm-hmm. which is a, a way of kind of evaluating your day. Uh, you can do it daily. You can do it weekly, but it's just questions that you can ask yourself right. 
at the end of each day where you think through, uh, like, where did I see God at work today? You mm-hmm. know, I want to look through the, the lenses of the day that just passed through God's eyes and through, through the eyes of like, how, how was God at work in me and through me? Hmm. Um, what am I thankful for? This day was a gift from God. What am I grateful for? What happened today? Review, uh, review the day guided by the, the Holy Spirit. Like what, who did you interact with and what is that prompting you to need to set up for tomorrow? Um, yeah. Where did you fall short today? Where, where will I need God tomorrow? It's just, it's just a way of, um, of not just kind of speeding through your day, day after day, um, unex- in an unexamined way, in, right. in an unreflective kind of way, because, this slowing down and doing a measure of reflection can become really selfish and introspective in an unhelpful way, but in the best possible way is actually helping you practice the presence of God and see where God is and has been at work. Yeah. Yeah. That, and I, I think that's really helpful. It's always good to have some additional resources as well. Um, maybe continuing on. So some of our last questions here, um, we talked about practicing the presence of Christ, mm-hmm. but how can we like actually be aware of God's presence in our lives? So how do, how can we tell if God is actively working in our lives? Yeah, you, you have the, um, the external witness of scripture just, just proclaiming that truth over you. Right. And particularly in moments when you're not feeling it, when yep. you're not experiencing it. For sure. You have the, you know, the promises of, of Jesus that he will send the helper to be with you and right. he will not lose people out of his hands. And that, mm-hmm. you know, as Paul goes on to write about a lot in Romans eight and Galatians four, that, that we're given the spirit yeah. as a seal, as a deposit sure. guaranteeing our inheritance. So, so how do we, how do we know that we have it? How can we tell if we have it? It's to trust that the external witness of, of scripture of Jesus, um, that you do have it. Right. You have faith in him. Um, and then, you know, it, Paul especially says, uh, our, you know, our spirit testifies with the spirit that we really are children of God. There's Correct. an internal sense of, of confirmation in right. that. And so there's going to be moments when you, your internal spirit is just all over the place. Like you're, you're yeah. having a hard time believing that truth. Yeah. And I think that's good to be, to pay attention to. But to also remember that it's that the external truth of that is not negated by the fact when your when your internal part is right. all over the place. Right. So that's maybe one one kind of high level answer to this. And then I think another one would be, um, you know, like even what Paul writes in Galatians five about the fruit of the spirit. Right. And those characteristics, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, and on he goes. That, that's that's a that's just a way of kind of considering like if the presence of God, if the Spirit of God is dwelling in my life, this is what that will look like worked out externally right. in these things. Yeah, not that we won't sin, still not that we won't miss the mark on those things, uh, but there'll be fruit, there'll be evidence of those things playing out right. in our lives. Yeah, and I, I think even too like man, are you longing to be with God's people? Hmm, that's are, a good one. You know, uh, and and th- there's like little yeah. markers of that. We talk about rhythms of grace all the time. But are you longing for the unity of the the gathered body? Yeah. Are you, uh, man? Are, are, like, there's there's things like that where it's just like, man, they're just markers that the spirit of God is conforming us to His image, yeah. uh, and actually uh, like pushing us into restoration with yeah. his people and what that looks like and all those things as well that I think are just like good markers that are really helpful to assess in community. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I think it's like, it's, it's, I think it's helpful to say in people, in the, the presence of community, yeah. how are you seeing God's presence yeah. 
displayed in my life? Yep. It's a very vulnerable question. Yeah. But I think it's a great question uh, yeah. because I think sometimes we can't see it in ourselves. But, man, the others around us that know us can see the ways in which God is conforming us sometimes. And, man, we can really pull each other out of those those spaces of really hard seasons of not really yeah. understanding what's happening. But, like, still being able to assess that we're growing, that the Spirit is uh, yeah. interceding on our behalf that it, there's there's evidence of fruit there yeah uh, we're longing to be with his people all of those things i think go and go together and are really helpful questions to assess in a, a sure. bible study setting yeah, for sure. sure uh the questioner is also asking how do we even seek out god's presence you touched on that a little bit mm-hmm. but like we obviously we have god's revelation specifically through his word yeah. uh romans one even talks about here like creation is yeah. attesting to uh god's revealing of himself yeah. Uh, where else can we see God's revelation or where else can we seek out God's revelation of himself, Matt? Yeah, really good. I'll, I'll give a couple categories and then if it's helpful to kind of dive into any of them, we can do that. But um, two big categories, general revelation and special revelation. So general Great. revelation would be God reveals himself as this questioner indicated through his creation, yep. um, through his providence, yep. which is his ongoing care of creation, mm-hmm. common grace, things like that. And then um, conscience yep. that and maybe what we'd call like the natural law that there's like, there are, there's just, there's something in the, that, that's part of bearing the image of God in humanity in mm. men and women created in God's image that we have a conscience that there's things we're like, that's wrong. This is not the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, this is sure. not. So there's in that general revelation category, there's creation, providence, and conscience. Yep. Special revelation, which this listener also is indicating pieces of, we have the word, scripture, yep. uh, as God, as God, you know, the super, the Holy Spirit superintending this process, writing through human authors, uh, revealing himself in special, specific revelation. Mm. Special revelation, as we talked about yesterday, some, the highest and best revelation is Jesus. Mm. God revealed his own son. Yep. Hebrews talks a lot about that. Um, and then also God reveals himself in the miraculous mm-hmm. where he, where he, um, interrupts kind of the normal rhythms of, of his creation and supernaturally does something through dreams, through, right. you know, suspending some aspect of natural created order or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, so those are the three kind of categories of special revelation. So, um, I think, I think the listener is put it, you know, putting the, or the, the questioner is putting this really well and saying we, we should look for it in creation. We should look for it in scripture. We should look for it in Jesus. Right. Um, those are the places I think to really mine as mm-hmm. much as you can. And then just to have a attentiveness to the fact that like our conscience as human beings, we're seeing God's revelation there. Um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in, in God's ongoing care of creation is providence. I think that's good. And then when we do hear instances of the miraculous, um, to not automatically look for natural explanations yeah. for it and shut it down and go, those are ways that God does break into mm. uh, his world and reveal himself. Yeah, for sure. If, if there's any danger maybe to just be attentive to when we talk about God's revelation, it would be, mm. you know, some subsets within Christianity or other groups that are like looking for an additional revelation from God that's authoritative in the same right. way that scripture and Christ Which, were. in some senses, even bridges into the conversation where you talked about valuing the gifts over the giver. Correct. I think there's an overcorrection in, yeah. in those categories of, of Christendom, maybe. There, there, certainly, yeah. there certainly can be. And, um, yeah, and, and, and this idea that, like, uh, even certain popular books, you know, Christian kind of genre, subculture books yeah. that have kind of probably almost certainly 
cross that line into kind of like almost saying like, this is what, this is how Jesus would say, speak to this situation. It's like, well, careful, like careful, like maybe not, this might not be Jesus speaking to this thing. This might be your, your own kind of translation of that to it. And I, and I think there's a way to, to ask in community, Mm -hmm. um, Hey, how, like, what would be the truth of the gospel that Jesus would want you to know right now? Right. And to really root that in scripture versus yeah. just to kind of like ad hoc say, like, I think here's what Jesus would say to you. And it's just my opinion. Right. Couched with Jesus's mm-hmm. name over top of it. So if there's any danger in seeking out in this hungering for more revelation from God, I guess I would say mm-hmm. hunger for it in the unbelievable depth of where God's already revealed it, which is like in Jesus, in scripture, yeah. in creation. Like, man, you're going to mine that for the rest of your life and right. still have a ton that's left unmined. So, right. so mine that as opposed to like trying to look outside of those things for additional authoritative revelation that we're not promised. Yeah. Yeah. That usually doesn't end well. It does not. It becomes, uh, you become it, a cult. It that's, becomes culty that's real, the, that's really, the, really quickly. That's the, that's the fast track to uh, become a cult. Fun fact about Jenna. I do love <laughs> learning about cults. So if you ever want to talk about that, let me know. Yeah. Uh, side note. Uh, but uh, moving on with the uh, this questioner. So they're kind of playing around with this idea, though, that I just mentioned of valuing the, the gifts of God huh, yeah. over God himself. Yeah. Um, and how, like, valuing, overvaluing maybe good things or things that you, you create, th- take things and make them ultimate things and ultimately end up worshiping them over God that creates idols uh, yeah. within us. Or yep. as Calvin talks about, our hearts are idol factories. Yeah. Um, so the, the listener is asking, how can we tell the difference between something that we like and something that becomes an idol? And they're asking both like within ourselves, yeah. but also within others. So yeah. even in the context of Bible studies, how can we even like, what's a good grid to think through um, assessing this in our own hearts and in the hearts of others, Matt? Yeah, my mind goes to the phrase like like a like to have disordered desires. Mm-hmm. Like idolatry is not always bad things, overtly right. sinful things. Oftentimes it's good things. Oftentimes it's warped. good things made ultimate. Yeah. Um, good things warped. It's and this idea of dis like our disordered desires. Mm-hmm. So if we are seeking satisfaction in something that is not God. And we're seeking satisfaction, even if it's a gift from God, but we're seeking the satisfaction there more than in God himself. Right. Um, that would be a disordered desire. Mm-hmm. Like our, our, we, ha- we are given deep desires and they're meant to find their satisfaction right. and fulfillment. They're meant to terminate on, yeah. on God, on For Christ. Sure. And, and so that's, that's maybe how that there's hopefully lots of things that you find out that you like. And, and hopefully you're able to, even this week, man, Thanksgiving week, it's a great week to enjoy a lot of good gifts from God, like enjoy the relationships that God's put in your life. Sure. Enjoy a feast, <laughs> you know, enjoy a day of rest from your toil. Mm-hmm. Um, like enjoy, all of that's beautiful and it's given from the hand of God. So like, it's not idolatry, especially when you overtly are like, God, thank you for this gift. Yeah. Help me look through this gift as a window to the giver. Yeah. Help me rejoice not in just the gift, but the giver. Yeah, for sure. Um, that's a beautiful way to keep them ordered correctly. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and cause man, yeah like stuff. That's great. Please mm-hmm. like stuff and, yeah. and the stuff that God has designed for our benefit and for our good. Um, it's that it's when it's when it, it's when it takes that disproportionate place or becomes the object of our devotion itself, yeah. as opposed to a, a window through which to see God, a stage that displays the goodness of God, what, how, whatever metaphor maybe you want to use, mm-hmm. um, there, but maybe that's how you would tell the difference is yeah. what, what position does this hold in your life? Right. And I would say from my own personal experience, 
it often idols are not often revealed to be idols until they're not there, <laughs> until they're taken away. Mm-hmm. Um, so like health, uh, yeah, I you know I enjoy health until it's taken away, and now right. it's like oh maybe I actually loved the gift, and now that it's not there, I'm not sure if I really love the giver anymore. Right, you know um, this friendship. I really love, value this friendship. It's not there anymore. Right. Uh, or it's very different than it was before. Yeah. Okay. Is that helping me see God or did I put that, did I have that too, was I, was I too dependent on that? Was I too devoted to mm. that in a way that, um, that made that more ultimate than it, than it was. Right. Um, you know, financially, it's like, you don't know that money's an idol until it's not there. And then you realize, oh, oh gosh, it's, it's an idol. Like yeah. I'm, you know, I'm able to worth, worship both God and money until I'm not. And mm. now I'm. Now I'm cho- realizing I, I chose money. Yeah. Um, that kind of stuff. It's, yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's often been exposed for me. Um, the the less obvious ones have been exposed for me when they've been taken away. Hmm. Yeah, and I, I think that's that's really helpful. And I, I so you know maybe that's your own heart. Mm-hmm. Um, what does it look like then to um, assess that in others in community? How how do we work through the idea of maybe like. Yeah. It's you you just mentioned you don't see some of these idols in your own life until something's taken away. Yeah. But what does it look like for someone in community to reach into your life and say, Matt, like I think this might be an idol? Um is there a yeah. healthy way to do that in community in Bible studies, Matt? Well, there's um you know, there's maybe like some objective kinds of like questions that maybe start to get into the object objective answers to this, which would be like, how do you spend your time? How right. do you spend your money? What, what would the outside observer, which we would, you know, so to another person, yeah. I observe in other people's lives that they are really committed to, to this yeah. because of how they spend their time, because of how they spend their money. Yeah. And I think as I have relationships with them, there's gracious ways to ask questions about that right. and say, Hey, I've noticed, man, you're, you're, you spend like your whole weekend watching football mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and football's fine. Football, like it's something to enjoy. It's going right. to be a good gift from God. You can do it in community. You can build yeah. relationships through it. It's great. Um, maybe if you spend your whole weekend doing that, what are you not doing that you could be doing with that time? Right. And are you, are you elevating that? That's, a, you know, maybe a simplistic right. example there. Yeah. Um, or man, you want to step on some toes, huh. uh, you want to step on some toes and like, what's a good gift that can become, can become idolized in certain circles, a family, family, a, a, an immediate, an immediate nuclear family, yeah. a marriage. Where it's like, yeah. if your view of that is only like, this is for us and nobody else, and you become very cloistered. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, pr- actually, part of the purpose of marriage is to display the greatness and beauty of Jesus Correct. and his church to the world. And part yeah. of the family is to, to model, like, this is what a small community of yeah. of people following Jesus for looks sure. like. And to, and to invite people into that. Yeah. And to invite, you know. So, like, you know, I, that can also get overblown and people can diminish the real value of marriage 100%. and the real value yeah. of the family. But you can also idolize it. Right. So, so I would say like there, there's stuff like that. Maybe to get back to this person's question, how can you tell in someone else's life? I think be observe, observing time, money, other things that indicate priorities. And then gosh, don't assume, like yep. ask questions be when you see it. it, be inquisitive, reflect your observations in a gracious, humble way, knowing that you might be wrong, but those could be things that help surface 
right. surface it. Yeah, and I, I think that's a helpful tension there to, to even be thinking about it. And and I, I think I said this a couple weeks ago, but like not over-realizing our responsibility and calling people out in community when there's an idle situation in their heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but will, be willing to endure with people and ask really good questions. Yeah. And ask those questions from the intimacy of knowing them really, really, right. really well and, and knowing and understanding that we have hearts that are idle factories too. Yeah. And yeah. It just having this posture of that, of, of, of this tension of, man, we are sinful people, but God is a restoring God who's revealed himself, who has not mm-hmm. only allowed us in his tent, but has mm-hmm. created, like made us tents to be uh, carriers of his right. presence to the rest of the world. Um, there's a lot to marvel in and a lot of mercy to extend to one another in the community that we, we live in uh, day in, day out. That's right. So, that's right. Yeah. Uh, that's all of our questions, I think, for the week, Matt. Yeah. Uh, we accomplished that. That's I great. I think we're trending a little early this week, too. So that's a that's a good, good note here on our things. Any final thoughts uh, for this Thanksgiving week? No, I would I would say there's some there's some questions that we've got in that Google Doc for your Bible study. If right. your Bible study's meeting this week, I know with, with yeah. travel schedules that's not happening for everybody. But yeah, use those as good jumping off points. Um, I would say you know really rejoice. Mm. Use the gifts of God that you get to experience this week to rejoice in the Giver. I think that's a mm. I think that's a beautiful invitation this week of being Thanksgiving week. Yeah, and then maybe just to 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 your last point, Jenna, too there. Mm. Um. Don't be surprised when idols get revealed in your life and in other people's lives. Yeah. And I think see in the story of Exodus, again, that God is the God of restoration. Which and so when when those idols surface, so encouraging. Ha- handle this with mercy and grace and um, restore your brothers and sisters gently. You know, like restore them gently. Help them help yeah. them see their, their idols and restore them gently. Yeah. Um, which is a beautiful way we can kind of live this out in community. Mm. Yeah, that's that's really encouraging, man. And yeah, as we go into this week, as you've closed out yesterday, I, I think it's helpful that we remember, yeah, we're the people of God because the presence of God is in that's and right. with us individually, collectively. Hmm. Uh, and may we live like hmm. that, dependent of people of God this week as yeah. we go into our homes, our families, celebrate Thanksgiving, practice thankfulness, that's all right. those things this week. That's right. Yeah, with that, guys, uh, this has been another episode of the Liberty B-Side podcast. Yeah. Uh, Thanks for tuning in. Yeah. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. See you next week. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Sermon B-Side podcast. For more resources, information about our church, visit www.LibertyHarrisburg.org. That's Liberty with an I, harrisburg.org.